Hello and welcome to another MultiPure podcast. My name is Joel Polina. I'm the copywriter here at MultiPure. And joining me today is our Vice President of Marketing and Certified Water Specialist, Mr. Kenton Jones. How's it going, Kenton? Hi, Joel. Going really well. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. And for this podcast, we're going to be talking about facts versus myths when it comes to tap water and water filtration. And obviously, this is a subject that's near and dear to us. This is our whole bread and butter here. And uh, it just I think it'll be an interesting subject just to go over some of the things that people assume about tap water and things that people assume about water filtration and kind of break down some of the things that are true versus some of the things that might not be necessarily true. So, so what do you think we should start with, Kenton? You know, I think what we should probably do is start talking about uh, city tap water, municipal tap water. And, you know, because that, that's kind of the origin of the, of the whole discussion here. You know, we get a lot of questions here at Multipure about tap water and, and about tap water quality and about new research that comes out or new regulations that come out. And so, yeah, I think this is a, a good place to start when we're talking about, you know, let's, let's maybe start out with some of, the, some of the facts that we know about municipal water treatment, Joel. All right. Uh, well, for people that don't know, municipal water treatment is not a single step process. It's it's um, multiple steps go into this. And uh, probably the first step is they, they basically take dirt out of the water because obviously the water is coming from reservoirs. It's coming from groundwater. It's coming from wells or, or, or uh, you know, rivers or so on, whatever the source is of the water. First thing they do is they create what's called a, a flock is essentially they it's the process of removing dirt and sediment from the water makes all that dirt settle to the bottom of the uh treatment plant the treatment plant tank so that gets rid of all the big chunks of of dirt in the water and then once that's left the water that's above that gets filtered and they they pass it through multiple filters and uh i believe they use typically sand gravel and charcoal and that removes the dissolved particles, the particles that are too small to really see with the naked eye in the water. And uh, that tries to get rid of a lot of things that could be like like uh, chemicals or dust or or even finer particulate matter. And then after that, they they disinfect it. They add chlorine or chloramine, which are the two most common disinfectants used here in, in the United States. And uh, that's used to uh, treat the water that's left for uh, bacteria, viruses, microbial life. I mean, mean, and and then obviously all of these methods are effective to certain degrees. And I think one of the big, I I mean, uh, Kendon, can you expand on, on, I I guess, kind of the fact versus myth of how effective municipal water treatment is? It's very effective. It's, uh, you know, I I think, I think the myth out there is that, is that, uh, you know, tap water in the United States is garbage and that, you know, I would never, I would never touch that. I would never drink that. You know, it's horrible. The truth of the matter is, is that uh, in the United States, our our water is relatively safe. I mean, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing that you can turn on the faucet here pretty much anywhere in the country and, you know, take a drink out of that faucet and, and not drop dead. There's a lot of places in the country where, A, you either turn on the faucet and nothing comes out or, or what does come out uh, is, is an immediate acute danger to your, to your health and your life. But, um, and, and I think we also need to you know, let folks know here, Joel, that the steps that, uh, that you just went through, you know, the flocculation, the filtration, disinfection, these are relatively common and, and time-tested uh, treatment methods. It's not the same everywhere you go. 
in some in some municipalities, there's there's even less treatment than what we're talking about here. Uh, in some municipalities, the water is so clear that they get, you know, and sometimes this is like, you know, uh, well water, you know, water from a really deep well might not need any of some of those um those primary treatment methods like the flocculation and the filtration, and they just need a little bit of disinfectant added. Some other places, they might need even more extensive treatment. Some places where you know, wastewater is is turned into drinking water, there, there might be a few extra steps, you know, some oxidation or some aeration, and then some some other disinfection steps like ultraviolet light. But these, these are all really time-tested treatment methods that get water to us that is relatively safe. So again, back to the myth, uh, tap water being acutely, immediately dangerous. I, I, I just don't think that's true. And, and you know, and, and it kind of is counter to our business here, but it's more long-term exposure to some of the contaminants that these treatment methods just can't get. Or something we're going to talk about later here, Joel, I think is contaminants that are introduced to our tap water after the water has left the treatment uh, facility. And so, yeah, I, I, I kind of forget <laughs> where we were going there, Joel. Uh, but but uh, again, the myth that, that our tap water is, is, uh, is, is dangerous and is, is not clean, that, that, that is a myth. Now, there are outbreaks that happen. There are, there are failures in, in these treatment systems every once in a while. And that gets back to our business, to Multipure's business. It's really good to have that second line of defense on your water. In case something slips through, that these these huge and we're talking millions of gallons are, are are processed every day. In case those processes don't catch some certain contaminants, or some certain contaminants are introduced afterwards, or uh, there's a breakdown in the system, it's always good to have that insurance policy with a a home water filtration system. Right. All right. Well, this doesn't really have to do with harmful contaminants, but I did have another a question specifically for you. I don't know if you if you could answer this, but what about uh, certain municipalities? Because I, uh, I I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in the East Coast, and one thing we always heard was the reason that New York bagels and pizza was so good was because <laughs> of their water. Is that is that a myth, or is that is there actually could there actually be some truth to that? This has nothing to do with harmful contaminants, but I just for my personal edification i'm curious about that <laughs> i think there you know what i think there's some truth to it i think that i think that the, the mineral content you know my understanding is is specific to new york city and I, i'm not sure if new jersey shares the same watershed that uh, the municipal water in new york city does but the watershed in upstate new york where most of new york city's water comes from is a is a very well protected watershed uh, we're talking, you know, nobody's allowed to go, you know, to go up there and, and build buildings or build houses or drive trucks or I, I'm not even sure if people are allowed to walk around up there. Uh, so the watershed where the water comes for the majority of New York City is very well protected and it, and it comes down into the city. Now, that's where the problem is, is that a lot of the water that comes into the city from this very well pristinely protected watershed then travels through hundred year old pipes to get into the city and these wow. pipes are nasty <laughs> and uh we have numerous customers in the city and their filters they're and they use their multi-peer filters and their, their multi-peer filters turn black 
within a you know just a few months. So it could be something in there that's making the bagels taste so good, Joel. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but but I do think uh, I do think that there's there is some substance to the argument that the that the bagels around there have a different taste, uh, have, have a very specific taste because of the water. And New York water is is something unique for sure. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. Good question. Uh, and uh, uh, okay. And, and you did touch on, on something you mentioned earlier about the infrastructure and, and the fact that the infrastructure itself is affecting the water. And that comes into our next topic in, in that uh, a lot of people believe that uh, one of the myths is that uh, municipal disinfection uh, treats all uh, the bacteria and viruses that are in the water. So it uh, outsparring outside influence. Uh, or, or disaster or emergency, it should be completely, uh, relatively microbially safe once it hits your tap. But when we're talking about infrastructure, uh, there's actually been a study in the last 10 years that has found that there is a vastly larger amount of bacteria in water that has grown from the infrastructure itself. I'm, and I'm talking about pipes, uh, the treatment plant facilities, uh, things like that where bacteria is actually growing. And and the fact is, and this is this is what I found startling about this, is that they found over 2,000 types of bacteria, and roughly 19 million bacteria in a, in one cup of water, the equivalent. Now, this doesn't mean that that all your water is immediately dangerous. They found a lot of this bacteria is is benign. It's completely harmless. Apparently, some of it serves a similar function to the way uh, gut bacteria in the human body aids in uh, digestion and metabolism, and some of this bacteria is actually beneficial. But the fact is that the infrastructure itself is contributing to, uh, uh, to uh, contam- potential contaminants in the water. And uh, uh, I'm going to toss this over to Kenan because I know you know a lot more about specifically how infrastructure affects water contamination. Yeah, so a comment about the, the type of bacteria and the amount of bacteria that's in water and typically my understanding of of how bacteria is is quantified in drinking water is that uh, researchers they count something called coliform bacteria and coliform in of itself although bacteria is as you said benign it's 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 harmless to us but there's an assumption there that if coliform bacteria is present well then there might be some more harmful bacteria or, or harmful microbes that might be in the water. That's not necessarily being counted. What's, what's being counted is the harmless stuff, and then assumptions are made based on that. So yeah, what you're saying here that there, you know 19 million bacteria in a cup of water. That's that might be true, and but I, I have a feeling that that's a fairly isolated incident. You know, chlorine has been added to our water now for what 100 years, over 100 years, and it chlorine. The pure form of chlorine is is very good at at disinfecting water, and and what it does is it breaks down the cell walls, especially bacteria, and uh, you know it kills it, and it does it very well. Problems start to come in when we use chloramine, which is a combination of chlorine and ammonia. And chlorine and ammonia, the the combination chloramine, is not quite as effective at killing bacteria. Worse yet, it can contribute to something called nitrification, which can actually increase the number of pathogens that might be in the water through a a biofilm, kind of a slime that grows on the inside of water pipes. It's kind of hard to imagine, but yeah, a lot of water pipes through a lot of cities actually have a, a, a biofilm growing on the inside. It's like a slime that's on the inside. 
pretty gross to think about, but uh, especially in chlorinated water, you're going to see that. So, you know, kind of getting back to the, the myths versus the facts, and you'll see listeners here, you'll, you'll see a trend in what we're discussing is that uh, the myths tend to be kind of on the fringes of, of things and the, and the facts tend to be kind of in the middle. The truth lies somewhere in between, right? And so, yes, you know, municipal treatment does a, does a great job of, of, of killing bacteria, but no, it's not going to kill at all, for sure. And uh, speaking of biofilm, uh, for our listeners, if, if any of you have an aquarium you pretty, and, and you've cleaned the filter, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've encountered biofilm because uh, it, it builds up. It builds, especially if you, if you don't clean your filter real regularly. Uh, that's, all, that's all bacteria and, and biological waste and stuff. And it just cakes up and accumulates. So if you want a good analogy for, uh, for what happens nice. in infrastructure place, uh, pipes, Look at your aquarium filter, your aquarium pipes. That that's that's pretty much what's happening there. Especially since I'm pretty sure uh, the pipes. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the pipes in, in municipal infrastructure probably get uh, get maintained a little bit more than some people. I know I personally do not uh, <laughs> aquarium often enough, and so I see biofilm all the time, and it's disgusting. <laughs> you know, it's it's probably uh, probably less than it should be in terms of maintenance. You know, that's always uh, that's always a problem we run into is not not enough funding, not enough resources to to properly maintain our water infrastructure. And so we're we're going to continue to see problems with that. We're probably going to see an escalation in problems with that, especially as things age from you know the post-war era of expansion and and that infrastructure uh, is really kind of reaching its life its life span the end of its lifespan uh and is probably not going to be replaced as as soon as it should be so we're, we're going to see continued breakdowns of things like this and you know another thing that that we talk about other than you know maybe the the failure of of chloramine and potential buildup of biofilm is there's breakdowns like actual physical breakdowns in in the water supply you know or water mains crack water mains break again getting back to the age of the infrastructure even lines being cross-connected with sewage lines or there being some kind of catastrophic uh, damage to 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 lines where they start to actually siphon in you know the stuff that's around them whether it's dirt or whether it's bacteria or whether it's sewage these things happen uh and so um you know, we just we just need to be thoughtful of this. Uh, it's not a perfect system. It's it's a good system, but it's not a perfect system. All right. So now let's move on to our next topic when it comes to facts versus myths, and that is boil water alerts and boiling water in general as a purification method. And uh, let me start off by describing a boil water advisory. It's a notice when a local water supply gets, uh, when they suspect that it's been contaminated with with harmful microbial life. Like uh, if you live in areas where it gets very hot and humid and you might hear about algal blooms, blue-green algae uh, cropping up in water reservoirs and lakes or, or rivers or so on, where the water is just kind of sitting there and getting very hot and suddenly algae is everywhere and uh also classified as a what is it a cyanobacteria i believe is another name for it mm-hmm. uh and and then they'll, they'll announce boil your water before you drink it boil it boil it for anywhere from one to three minutes roiling boil rolling boil and then let it cool and then it should be safe and now people assume uh boiling water uh acts a, as a filter boil you boil the water it's completely safe to drink uh you know and and but but I think there's that that tends to be a, an oversimplification of what goes into uh, 
water filtration, water purification. And uh, just because it treats this specific incidence uh, as, as a, a good measure uh, does not necessarily mean it is a uh, something that can be done on a broad uh, a broad case when it comes to boiling water and boiling water to treat your water. Uh, can you expand on that, Kenton? This is kind of a good continuation of what our previous discussion was on on breakdowns of infrastructure. When there is a breakdown of infrastructure, or there's there, there's a storm where the where the stormwater system has been overwhelmed, which can then in turn overwhelm the municipal treatment system. Or if there's an earthquake, or if there's a fire. Boy, I, I just attended the seminar on uh, the you know the dangers to the water system after a fire, and and it was talking specifically about the big fire that happened in California Paradise, the campfire. And uh, and how that fire was catastrophic to buried water lines that even a boil water alert just wasn't going to work because uh, there was so much damage to it, to, to the system from that. But you're absolutely right. Boiling water with a boil water alert, boil water alerts are issued for very specific incidents that happen. And, and they're almost always microbial in nature. And, and it's almost always, you know, bacterial or, or maybe viral in nature. Uh, I, I think parasitic cysts can also be neutralized with boiling. But yeah, you boil it and uh, you drink the water that's been boiled. And, and it theoretically after that, like you said, a rolling boil for one to three minutes should be microbially microbiologically safe at that point, but it doesn't treat other contaminants that might be in the water. Water, uh, you know, things that don't boil away, metals and salts that can be damaging or can be dangerous to you. If there's, you know, some kind of, some kind of contamination, you know, whether it's agricultural or industrial contamination, these things won't boil off. Some of them will. Some, you know, maybe if it's organic in nature, it'll volatilize and, and, and boil away. Some chemicals will. But yeah, it's it's not a it's not the end all be all of of making water safe to drink in the long run. Again, you know the, these contaminants, you kind of characterize them both on their nature and in their concentration on how dangerous they're going to be. Teeny tiny little bit of bacteria in your water, probably not an immediate danger. A lot of bacteria in your water, especially if it's something like E. coli, yes, that's an immediate danger. And if it's a really high amount, uh, you know, it could potentially be fatal to some people. Same with with chemicals or or metals or salts. You know, a little tiny bit of it, probably not acutely dangerous. Probably not gonna you're not gonna drop dead on the spot, but. But prolonged exposure to very small concentrations of this stuff, yeah, uh, that, that's where we see cancers cropping up. And, and that's where we see cancer cultures cropping up is where there's continued exposure to lower concentrations or higher concentrations. Now, you get a super high concentration, and again, now you're getting people sick right away. You know, there, there's there's a lot of variables in this discussion. Boiling is good for some things, and, and it's not good for others. So I guess the myth is that the boiling water makes it immediately safe for people, and, and the fact is... No, not always. And and I, I think like I'd, I'd like you to clarify that uh, certain people or, or certain uh, comments out there tend to uh, erroneously equate uh, boiling water with distilling water. And the, there's a, a pretty big difference there. And just because I believe uh, distilling water and boil it involves turning water into, you know, boiling it into a gas doesn't mean it's the same. And uh <laughs> can you can you at least uh, clarify some of some of the key differences there between uh, why boiling water is far from the same as you know the equivalent distilled water? 
Yeah, sure. There, there are two sides of the same coin. And that coin being, like you said, the application of heat to the water. So boiling water, you are, you are, are heating it up to where it boils. Uh, but it, it depends on which part of it you consume. When you're boiling the water, you're going to consume the water that's left over still in the pan or the pot or whatever, the kettle, whatever you're using to boil the water. Because all the bacteria has been killed by the heat, but then the organics, a lot of the organics, the volatile organics, uh, will have gone away with the steam. Distilling, same process, but you're actually consuming the steam. You know, the steam is, is recondensed back into water. You know, these are, these are devices that have been around forever. You collect the steam and you, and, uh, you drink that. So, so you're not drinking the metals and the salts and the things that were left behind in the boiling chamber, but now you are consuming the volatiles that were in the steam and have been recondensed back into water. So, <laughs> so it's the same, but then at the, at the same time, it's like I said, two sides of the same coin. Ah, all right. And that's, that's a really good, uh, analysis of why, uh, the truth often lies right in the middle between uh, right. <laughs> one or the other extreme. Yeah. Uh, right now, speaking of boiling water and distilling, uh, as far as water treatment methods go, let's move on to facts versus myths when it comes to water filters and water purifiers. And probably the the biggest myth is uh, obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a, a little knowledge of water filtration to begin with. But one of the biggest myths among, uh, I guess, consumers is that water filters uh, are interchangeable and that one is just as good as another. And that uh, if you have a water filter, you're protected pretty much universally against anything. And, and the problem is there's so many different types of uh, water filtration products out there. And each one, even among the different types, there's a vast uh, difference in capabilities. Because you have different, you have uh, water filtered pitchers, you have uh, countertop water filters, you have water filters that attach to your your faucet, uh, a standalone. You have water filters that are plumbed in below the sink. You have water filters built into refrigerators, and each one of these will have their own uh, capabilities and their own. Uh, uh, range of both what they treat and the degree to which they to which they treat it and uh coinciding with this is the myth that a water filter is the same as a water purifier and that is uh, absolutely not true what to be classified as a water purifier uh, a water treatment device needs to be able to treat microbiological contaminants bacteria viruses uh cysts in the water things like that parasites and so on and uh so right off the bat, there is a, a myth that a water filter is uh, will cover almost everything, and uh, and then the myth that a water filter is the same as a water purifier. And uh, Ken, can you can you expand on some of the details of what I just spoke about there? Yeah, this is you know one of the one of the big challenges for us as marketers, and for those of you listening to this podcast, presumably multi-pure independent builders, maybe even some of our customers, is that this is a marketing challenge. This is a this is a messaging challenge for us that there is a difference. There's a big difference, and that you know most people just reach for the least expensive thing they can find, whether it's at Target or on Amazon or or whatever, and just assume that it's going to protect them from 
contaminants might, might be in the water. And, and, you know, kind of one of the specific lessons that we saw this was a few years ago in Flint, Michigan, with the outbreak of, of the lead contamination there. A lot of people not knowing just went and bought a water filter. And in, in most cases, bought the least expensive water filter they can buy, assuming that, hey, it's a water filter, it's going to protect me from lead. When the truth is a, a water filtration system has to be specifically engineered for lead. I would say pretty much the only thing that's universal out there would be particulate and maybe chlorine reduction that's kind of universal across most water filters that are out there because most of them now use carbon, use a kind of carbon. So yeah, the, the myth is, is that all water filters are the same and I should just get the cheapest one. The fact is, is that water filters have, like you said, vastly different performance capabilities when it comes to what they're engineered for. And, you know, in many cases you get what you pay for when it comes to water filtration systems because it costs money to make a good quality system. It takes money to have good QA and uh, consistency in product. It takes money to get a, a system certified. And so, you know, good systems out there are going to cost a little bit more. That's just kind of the bottom line of it all. And so I guess we encourage people to... I hesitate with this saying, do your research. <laughs> you see that on the internet, right? <laughs> well, I did my research. Yeah. And to, to some people doing their research means they watched a 30 second YouTube video. But uh, take your time, I guess I should say. Take your time uh, and, and read as much as you can about water filtration systems and the differences. T take the time to at least read the label. In most cases, the label is going to be accurate, not 100% of the time, but in, in most cases, the, the label is going to be pretty accurate, especially for systems sold in the state of California and, and most systems sold at big box stores. Big box stores we've found are being more and more compliant with kind of these voluntary standards. They're only selling stuff that has uh, these voluntary standards, whether it's WQA or NSF or IATMO. So uh, again, take your time. Yeah, and uh, make sure that, that anything you do read, anything you do look up as far as capabilities go, try to look for some sort of third-party um, right. testing, verification of capabilities, because uh, you don't want to necessarily trust the entity that's selling you the product with their own performance claims and tests. You want to make sure that there's someone out there that has no stake in that specific product to tell you, yes, this is exactly what it does. <laughs> Uh, it'll treat, you know, A, B, C, and D. Because, what is their uh, motivation, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's another myth is that it is when people uh, do the research and they say, hey, this this treats all of this here. And, and you know, they, they say it. <laughs> it says it right there. It's on the label. It's printed. It's on their website. Yeah, but, you know, they're trying to sell you something. Find a, a third-party testing and, and certification, some, something to verify it. Uh, by an entity that has no financial stake in that specific product that's not selling that to you. And mm -hmm. uh, obviously here, uh, what we're, we obviously always reference um, NSF International because, uh, you know, they're, they're a global uh, established uh, trusted uh, testing certification entity, and we use them for, for our products. And you, you want to find something like that. Anytime you're looking at a product, you're looking at their, their uh, capabilities, you want to find an entity and see some sort of proof that, yes, that item does what they just said it does, uh, because that's really the other half of the equation. Now, when it comes to finding a water filter or water purifier that actually work the way, uh, work for, for what you need. 
Yeah, I think you will find no greater advocate of third-party certification and verification than Multipure. It, and this this is this is the truth. I just don't see very many other companies out there, although they might be certified, and, and in most cases, 80, 85, 90% of them are certified through either NSF or WQA or IAPMO. But none of those companies seem to spend marketing capital on advocating for third-party certification and verification as much as multi-peer. And the reason is, is that we just want you to get something that works, even if it's not a multi-peer. Listen, we want you to get a multi-peer, but even if you don't get a multi-peer, get something that is certified to treat those contaminants that you are concerned about. And this is, you know, Joel, I think this is probably a good time to bring up uh, one of the other myths that's out there, since we're talking a little bit about certification, or I kind of steered us that direction, is third-party, I shouldn't say third, I should say knockoff or off-brand replacement filter cartridges. And th- and this is a this is a genuinely big deal. Listen, I I'm not immune to this. I was just buying uh, a new replacement battery. I've got a, you know, cordless drill and I wanted to buy a new battery for it. So, you know, I, w- I went to Amazon and the the original the OEM part, oh my gosh, it was like $100 for a battery. Mm. <laughs> and so, I willingly went and bought an off-brand, a knockoff battery that will fit my drill that was like 50% the price. It was like 50 bucks or something less. And and I had a, I, I, <laughs> I got to tell you, I had a little moment of hesitation pushing that buy button because I'd spend most of my professional life, you know, trying to tell people you need to get the original thing, but a little bit different, I think, with, uh, with a cordless drill battery because my health is not at stake with this. At least I hope not. I hope it doesn't <laughs> blow up or something. <laughs> uh, but, the, but the truth is, is that Certification when it comes to water filters is is a promise or it's the, I guess it's the follow through of that promise that we're making. We promise you that when you use a multi-pure filter, this filter is going to protect you from X, Y, and Z contaminants. That is a big promise to make. That has serious consequences. When somebody goes and they and they buy an off-brand replacement filter cartridge, whether it's for a multi-pure, whether it's for their refrigerator or whatever, if it does not have NSF certification or WQA certification that, yes, this thing is going to protect you from these contaminants, then you truly don't know what it's going to actually do for you. And and if you if you made that investment at some point in your life that you want the, the superior performance of a multi-pure, and believe me, I know what an investment that was. Why on earth would you would you take the value away from that investment by putting a third-party, uncertified, non-tested replacement filter cartridge that might not protect you from those? So, so the myth here is, Joel, that any replacement filter cartridge, as long as it looks like a multipure, is going to do just as well. And the fact is, is that no you have no idea what it's going to do. You really don't know what that's going to do unless it's been third-party certified. And uh, I, th- I think uh, an, an analogy that I like to use is uh, you don't want to buy the wish.com version of a replacement filter. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're familiar exactly. with wish.com, oh, uh, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you're not familiar with it, with it, go to YouTube and look up wish.com <laughs> unboxings. Oh man! Because uh, that's pretty much what you're getting when you look for the cheapest knockoff equivalent or or, or uh, off-brand equivalent 
that has no kind of verification, no no real guarantee behind it that you know it may it might fit. You know, even that's not a guarantee. It might say it'll fit. It might look like it'll fit. It might fit, but it's you know it's highly doubtful it will have these same capabilities. And even if if uh, if it might come close to it. There's no there's no support behind it, and that's that's something that that comes built in when you get the the real deal is you get uh, that support that guarantee that uh you know you, you get the, a company that stands behind the product that you can actually uh you know address to make sure that that, that the product is is functioning uh, properly in in your system and and re- remember a drinking water system it's 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 not something that's kind of like a, it's less a consumer good and I think more of a health product sure. because it has such a big impact on your on your health. Clean water and what's in there can, can drastically affect your health. So don't treat it like it's a, a, a regular commodity. Treat it like it's a, uh, you know, a healthcare product. And you really don't want to cheap out when it comes to that. You don't really don't want to go off brand uh, when it comes to something that can impact your health like that. Yeah, and the kicker here is that really in the long run, the cost of a genuine multi-peer replacement filter is still incredibly inexpensive when you compare it to something like bottled water. So, you know, there's really no point in cutting corners like that because, uh, I mean, the cost the cost even of the genuine article is is very low. So, yeah, it's, it's a Good point there, Joel. Uh, and and I should also say that there there are a lot of different technologies out there that uh, that, that that we can choose from to you know to to treat our water. You know, we've just been talking about simple water filters, most of which are are carbon filters, things like faucet mounted filters or pitcher filters, or in our case, below sink and countertop filters. Uh, but there's a lot of different technologies out there. There's there's UV disinfection, there's reverse osmosis, there's ionizers. There, there's a lot of different things out there, a lot of different technologies out there. And I can tell you right now that no single one of them is perfect. There is no single technology that takes out everything you want it to take out and leaves in everything that you want it to leave in. It just doesn't exist. Combination of technologies or you use one kind of technology like a carbon block filter that's really going to treat the most significant dangers that are in the water, the, the metals, the organics, that are re- that is really going to provide you the best level of protection and, and all the while maintaining an eye on kind of the economics of it all and, and, and keeping things low cost and, and low maintenance and, and easy to use. And so that that's you know why why we're in the business that we're in is we, we feel like that, that we're in a good position in the market that protects you from a lot of the things you want to be protected from and leaves in a lot of the things. And, and by leaves in, I mean things like minerals, like magnesium, Magnesium, potassium, calcium uh, that you that you want to be in your water, and some of these other technologies uh, strip those out. So again, the myth is is that any or that that technology A is going to protect me from everything. The the fact is is that no, no technology out there is going to do that. All right, and uh, I think on, on that note, I think we've covered a, a pretty decent spectrum of topics here when it comes to facts versus myths of of uh, tap water or drinking water and filtration. Uh, we covered water treatment itself from, from the municipal or the city. Uh, we covered uh, bacteria and viruses and microbial life in water. We covered boil water alerts and uh, boiling water and distillation. We covered uh, water filtration and purification. We covered water certification and uh, product certification claims. 
And, uh, you know, I, I guess Kenton has mentioned that the truth always lies somewhere in between the extremes. And uh, part of our job here at MultiPure is to educate people on not just the importance of hydration, but on the importance of understanding, uh, you know, what you're getting, filter technologies, uh, contaminants in the water, and why it's, it's such an important thing to treat your water uh, because of what could be out there. And, and at the same time, we, we don't want to, uh, we never want to say we do everything because like Ken said, there's no one perfect product. We try to cover as much as possible and we strongly believe we have products that will do as much as possible for you. But there's always, uh, there's always exceptions and the best thing you could do when you want to uh, cut through a lot of the myths and disinformation is to do the read. <laughs> I know that phrasing is it's it's almost painful to say when you just tell people do the research. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look up look up the knowledge, and we have a lot on our, on our website on multipeer.com. Uh, we put a lot of articles with research on there, both on our main website and on our blog. Uh, look at other sources. Look at at the. Uh, the sources of those other articles. You know, look for those research papers if you're inclined to. Look for uh, reputable articles that, that reference reputable sources. And, uh, you know, dig into it because that's the best way to make sure that you stay informed and then you know that uh, the difference between an, uh, a myth or an urban legend when it comes to water issues and what is actually true. And uh, on that note, I think, uh, is there anything else we need to talk about? I think we covered it all. No, I think we covered it all, Joel. I think that was a, a great recap of things. Again, think of Multipure as an insurance policy for your water that uh, in, in case things go wrong in a big way or uh, an insurance policy to protect you from the little things that are always there. Uh, and uh, we, we just think it's a really good idea. It's a good economic choice and it's a good health choice. And uh, yeah, that's the fact. <laughs> <laughs> all right on that note thank you for uh for joining us and listening in uh thank you uh vice president of marketing and certified water specialist kenton jones for providing uh, so much knowledge on this podcast today uh, my name is joel polina i am the copywriter here at multipure and uh on that note thank you and goodbye <laughs>